Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I am Nicolene Peck and I am joined here with my daughter Paige Baumert. Hi Paige. Hello. Okay, Paige, you were talking about school. I know you've just got a little bun in the oven that's getting bigger all the time. We're getting yes. there. Going to have that baby any second, but you don't, you're not sending anybody to school. You're not prepping for school this year. Um, I mean, you know, aside for the fact that you and your husband will probably have a little schooling that you're going to be doing yourselves. Not this semester, but not this semester, but you're, (laughs) but you're getting, you know, into that. Yeah. You might as well just take a semester off to have that baby. Right. Exactly. Anyway. Okay. So, but there are a lot of people that right now they are in the groove for sending their children back to school. And whether you end up hearing this podcast during this time, that's back to school or not, there's going to be some great pro-schooling tips for everybody, no matter where or how you do schooling. I've had a lot of experience with schooling. My my father was a lifetime public school teacher as well as college professor. And um, I have had foster children all go to the public school, but I've also had my own children that I have homeschooled all the way along. And of course, well, I did some school in my life too. (laughs) So there you go. I can honestly say I homeschooled myself after I started homeschooling my family because that's how it goes. And, uh, but I also had been matriculated beforehand through the whole school process as well. So uh, in this call, we're going to be sharing with you some great tips for school success and for helping your children set up a pattern for really excelling and doing well in school. So we're going to do that. But before we do, we've got a fun idea for you. And I love this one. This is so much fun. Paige, what is our fun family activity that we're going to share with them today? Yeah. So this is a fun family activity that Joseph and I really love. In fact, when we were dating, one of our favorite dates was we went to the zoo And, you know, we had one locally close by where we lived and growing up, we had one about an hour away from home that we went to probably about once a year, but we loved going to the zoo and reading the plaques about the different animals that were there and learning more about them. But if you're not close to a zoo with live animals, you can create your own zoo at home, Uh, whether that be with little animal figures or stuffed animals or, you know, just pictures, um, but just kind of create your own little zoo. You can go around the house and learn about each different animal. So I love that. And Paige, that is so you, that is so creative. I can just, I can just see you and, you know, telling all of your siblings, let's create a zoo (laughs) and everybody going to get moo cow and the teddy bears and all the different (laughs) things and putting them into the little pens and creating it's probably yeah, probably <laughs> yeah or, or taking blocks and building it around and everything like that's where their cages and and then having people and you'd probably come to me and say mom you need to come visit the zoo mm-hmm. we, I mean this was definitely the type of imagination adventure that we would do all of the time growing up but there is something magical about the zoo I love the zoo I absolutely love the zoo there's just something about watching the way the animals interact with each other, the way they nurture each other, the way that they, just their mannerisms, the way they behave, you learn so much. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's an activity I would do with um, children I would babysit as well, maybe with just like coloring pages, but there's so many ways you could do this and learn about different animals. It's so fun. Yeah, so get into animals. Okay, so now we've got to get into into schooling. And by the way, okay, this little activity that was just shared is a great educational activity, right? So as a homeschooler, I'm a person who's who's spent a lot of years homeschooling um, my children. I've just made life part of school. Like that's been a big thing. Like we go to the zoo and we learn about the animals. That is an amazing lesson in biology and habitats and different regions of the world. So you're going to study different geographical locations because you're studying the animals, all of those kinds of things. So anyway, great educational activity, no matter where your children are 
attending school or or learning their their ABCs and one two threes and all that kind of stuff. Make sure that no matter the age, you you take some time to do some hands on learning too, which is always good. Okay, so we're going to be looking at this schooling topic today through the lens of self government. What is self government, Paige? Self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Yes, that is exactly right. So what that means is when we're looking academically, okay, or, or and in fact, let's, let's not say that now that I just said that, <laughs> let's just not let's just retract that but let's not say that schooling is just academic let's go broader than that okay let's go pure education education is one big hole okay it's one big big picture we're talking the academic the psychology the uh philosophy uh religion and spirituality and interpersonal skills and, you know, social development, all of these kinds of things fall into education, right? And they can be hooked together. You read, read one book, a literature book, Anne of Green Gables, and you see her break a slate on, you know, Gilbert Blythe's head because she's mm -hmm. offended. Well, all of a sudden you're into social training, aren't you? As well as doing your academic pursuits and, and working on your comprehension and other things like that. But then as you go down that track into the social, then you've got to come to what's right and wrong, good and bad, true and false. We get to the spiritual and the moral education and then comes the philosophy. Well, what was her philosophy? She was buying in right then. You know, then we get into some psychology, some philosophy. It's all one. It's all one. So if we can remember that it's all one, we're not going to miss educational opportunities, which is really great. Yeah, so so you as can also get into the, the technical, like, okay, how much force does it actually take to break a slate over someone's head? You know, so then you learn about the whole slate if you're going like, you know, or educational that way. Oh, for sure. Because you need to know, okay, well, what's slate made out of? Well, it's made out of slate. It's a type of rock, but how do you get it? And how do they turn it into that shape? And blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah. Right? So there's a lot of things there. So yes, you can go way educational. Now we're just geeking out on how to, <laughs> how to bring education. Well, because that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, that is, that was our life, right? That, that is our life. That is one of the things that homeschool means to us. Um, but when we're talking about self-government through the lens of education here, what we're talking about is we're talking about saying, okay, so I want to have a certain type of educational experience, okay? What educational experience would be the very best, okay? The very best for me. Now, some people say the very best is as a private school. Some people say the very best is a public school or a charter school or a homeschool. So, you know, everyone has their opinions on what is the very best. Hopefully they've looked into their options because if you're just following the status quo, you might be missing out on what could be the very best for your family and, and what um, might give you the most desirable results for the education for your children and well for yourself because you're learning all the time too. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you look at what are the best things uh, what's going to be the best for me? What direction do I need to go educationally? What pieces do I need morally educationally as well as um, academically, um, you know, with philosophy and psychology, as well as with, um, you know, politics and um, social development and everything else, right? What, what is going to be the very best, okay? So you examine those things, you say, this is gonna be the very, very best track for me or for my child, right? And then you say, okay, now we need to make a plan tailor-fitted to that. And then we need to follow through on that plan and see how we're doing. And if it's not going well, we've gotta make some adjustments. So we don't just get stuck because isn't the definition of insanity doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results? Yes, mm -hmm. that's the definition of being insane. So if we are going to self-govern in education, then we are not going to keep doing the same thing again and again and expect different results. We are going to make plans to make adjustments so that we're, we're doing different things so that hopefully we can get much better results. So just thinking in that type of a box, okay, um, for our, maybe that's outside the box. Most that, people that probably kind of don't think that. Yeah, and that with within those parameters, okay, we're going to be using those parameters as we talk about the eight tips that we have for you today. But I hope that you will remember uh, that 
definition and that that really is how a person should proceed through education, which means that sometimes you may start somewhere. And I know people who've done this. They start at one university or one college and then they go, you know what? I don't think I'm getting quite what I need out of this place. I think I need to move to a different place, a different college, a different university, right? And so then they pull themselves out and they make the shift. But for some reason with children, we don't do that. We just say, well, they're just, you know, this is what everybody does or That's whatever it is. is. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I, I was homeschooled, so I might as well homeschool everybody. And, but then, you know, but we don't examine, right. What really needs to be happening for that yeah. child. So it is say, important. I, I know a family that, you know, the mother, she was homeschooling all of her kids and then she realized, you know, I think my daughter needs some things that are found only at public school and I think that's really going to help her and so she actually sent that daughter to public school and it helped her a lot you know it just kind of depends on what your child needs yeah I do think you want to maintain consistency as much as possible of course right but I think that it's also a good idea to teach your children to empower them like hey we have a lot of different options here we don't have Mm -hmm. to just go to school because everybody goes to school and we don't have to not just because we're in the habit of not like there are things that we need to do. So Paige and I used to sing competitively with the sweet Adelines. And then when I knew I needed to dedicate a little bit more time to London and her development and not do that as much, then we felt like Paige should go over to the public high school and try out for the, the magical group, the show choir group Mm -hmm. that was there. And she did, and she made it. And she literally only went over for that one class and that was it. Um, and that one school year <laughs> yeah, in, in one school year, it was her junior year in high school. And that was it. She did plays and she did singing over the school and that was it. Mm-hmm. And um, there were other homeschool choirs and such, but with what she had already done, I felt like that was probably going to be the better way for her to go right then. Like it just felt right for her to do that. And she had a great opportunity to, to um, you know, learn a few things from the, the culture there and definitely from the guy who was in charge of the the music department so that was cool right she had a a great opportunity a great experience and so you have to see what really is best for the child and whatever is best you also have to prep them for it Mm -hmm. because remembering remembering that broad understanding of education okay that education isn't just reading writing and arithmetic but it is literally everything from cooking and growing a garden to just um, extracting information from my Bible to analyzing um, social behaviors, analyzing social behavior, getting along with my husband to, you know, everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's literally one big, huge picture. So, and you may want to think of it a different way. Truth is one big picture. Truth is one big picture. And there's a lot of mediums or ways or directions that people try to find themselves, you know, going toward the truth. Um, Some of those areas balance out the truth better than others, right? Um, Theories don't balance truth very much. Uh, They they try to explore new, you know, and so there's things in science that get you to some truths, but then that that end up just opening doors to more questions Mm -hmm. on other things that you may not get to for a very long time. Um, but then there's other things, you know, historical accounts through history, um, you know, that you're going to say, oh, whoa, that's, I mean, that has happened now I see in history many, many times. This seems to be a pattern that when people do this, this is what happens, or this leads to war when people do this, you know, um, pride has this effect on da, 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 right? And you can see those patterns that exist in, in history, and yeah. boom, that, that's probably a truth you can it's trust that all determining the, time. the cause and effect yeah. of those given situations. Exactly. So, um, so we're going to look uh, at education today and, um, and schooling through, through this lens of self-government and this bigger picture and this idea that a person can make plans for themselves and choose to become better and better at their own education. So I speak at a lot of conferences, education conferences, um, many times, sometimes at charter schools, sometimes at private schools, but many, many times at homeschool conferences. And people always want to know at a homeschool conference, especially if they've got like more than, well, one child, they're like, hey, how do you get them to take, you know, 
ownership of their own education and to govern self-govern their own education they're like so they come take my class because they're like yes my child needs to like just be in charge of it all on their own um i wish it was that easy to just like push it off on them and have success happen but there are certain things that you have to put into place especially because the child does not have as much life experience as you do they don't understand even sometimes their own human tendencies. And so they'll end up falling into the same traps again and again. And we call that what? Insanity, right? We've already talked about that. They keep doing the same thing again, and then they get frustrated and their morale gets down, stuff like that. So they do need someone who's been there, done that, who can see things from the outside to give them tips, to steer them forward because their prefrontal cortexes cannot always problem solve it. Sometimes they can, but can't always because they're not fully developed yet. And those prefrontal cortexes don't develop until a person is between the ages of like 18 and 25 years old. So, so this is important. Okay. So um, let's talk about what we can do to help steer them and guide them so that they get to a point where they do start governing it because they can, even when they're young, but it is going to kind of go in cycles just so you know, the distraction development happens. I know for me growing up, like there were times where I was like super focused in school. Like I wanted to study, you know, like 10 hours a day. And then other times I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) Mm -hmm. laziness sets in. Let me tell you about puberty. Okay. Let me, (laughs) let me just tell you about puberty. Puberty is a massive distraction to education. So here we have young people who are right in the stage where it's like, they need to be, they're, they're getting into the really heavy stuff, the bigger stuff. And all of the sudden they're like, my body is just so tired. I just have to sleep all the time because they're growing and their hormones are producing like crazy and it's wearing them out. And they're like all of a sudden hungrier all the time. And they're thinking about hunger. And then all of a sudden they're thinking <laughs> about boys or girls or whatever. And it's just like, ah, and so it's super distracting, distracting. And the social is super distracting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and actually sometimes people that were really good or proficient at something hit puberty and they're like, I can't even think about that anymore. Like they all of a sudden what can't happened? think. <laughs> Like Paige, you were actually really uh, good at math. Well, I shouldn't say compared to Quinn, Quinn was always a little better at math than you. And you were always really, really good at spelling and stuff. And those were kind of like your innate qualities, but you really thrived in math and you did really well at it. But as soon as you started hitting puberty, which for you was a little bit earlier than most people, all of a sudden your brain just went math. I can't, I don't know. (laughs) And it was, it was like, you tried and you would just, it was like, beating your head against a wall yeah, and so and I, I ended was up getting overwhelmed and I'm like I don't like math anymore <laughs> yeah and you ended up kind of getting like this hate of math you know and I kept trying to tell you you don't hate it you're just not really there yet and you're like no I hate it and <laughs> it, but it was so funny that hormonally you ended up having changes happen in your brain that made it so it seemed like you couldn't follow that line of logic quite as the same for a while you know it took a bit for you to all of a sudden put those pieces together and I'm like oh ode to puberty you know I mean that just (laughs) happens not only do do people have physical changes but they end up sometimes with some mental changes that can make life pretty hard too so yeah and that happens with every every stage of growing up so even with the younger children who haven't quite hit puberty yet like things happen as you grow Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And people get distracted on different things, you know, oh, yeah. in there for sure. Okay. So here we are, the school years upon us. People want successful school experiences. They want their children to fully invest in their learning, right? To take ownership over their own education. Why wouldn't you want that? Okay. So this is uh, something that, that we're going to help you with, with these eight tips. I do want to just bring up a couple of things, a couple of little experiences that I think are going to add some context before we get in to these eight points. So, um, so first off, uh, Paige and I were just talking over some of the news things here a little bit ago. And, and Paige was mentioning that, you know, in Oregon, there's this, this change that happened. And sure enough, I looked up news stories on it and mm-hmm. da, 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 it's true. The, uh, the governor of Oregon just passed this, this law. Paige, tell us about this law. Yeah. So the governor passed a law that basically suspends all requirements for math, reading, English, um, stuff like that. All the requirements to graduate for three years. And so the children who are graduating, they no longer are required to have 
you know, certain levels of proficiency in those so, like, subjects. To be able to read. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? That is like the worst thing you could do because a lot of times the, you know, children learn a lot when they're given a little bit of a push, like, okay, so you have to meet these requirements in order to graduate. So you need a motivation. Yeah. Here, right. And the graduation is the motivation. Yeah. Well, and to actually work hard. And if you can't do those requirements, there's like, it's very, very slim chance that you're going to be able to get into college because a lot of colleges, they have pretty high requirements, pretty high standards in those necessary things, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if, I mean, that's why there's entrance exams, right? Oh I mean, yeah. No. And if those things aren't required to graduate high school, then there's going to be no motivation to even go to college or to have, you know, extended learning. Um, and there's going to be no drive to even go to school in the first place. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Um, there are a few colleges around the nation who have started saying, oh, you don't have to have an entrance exam or we don't really care if you do or don't or kind of a thing. And we'll mm-hmm. just let, you know, anybody in. And um And so this is kind of becoming a thing. So it's like you could matriculate through high school, not even be able to write a coherent paper or even really read that much. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you could end up in college and, and um, wow, either, either the classes all get dumbed down for you too, or stinks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why would people pay then for that? Right. So I mean, so then is it just about social? Is it just about some sort of societal grooming that's happening Trying in education? Because be what's the point of education? Like, honestly, I look at I, when, when Paige and I were talking about this, and we were like, what in the world is the point of education? And even going to school or spending time if in the no school day, if there aren't some basic academic proficiencies that a person is supposed to achieve. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like, then what are you really learning? Because see, here's the thing. Parents can teach the morals and the religious. They can help with political understandings. They can help with, you know, all kinds of stuff. But usually parents don't teach physics, like per se. I mean, there's going to be some things in regular life that they just teach when they're, you know, like loading motorcycles onto the back of a truck. There's some physics there, inclined planes and whatever. Okay. But like, that you can teach your child you know, or chopping wood and wedges and, and, you know, and stuff like that. But then there's, but then there's some of the other things and some of those higher math things that the parents might be like, ah, you know what? I don't really want to get into that. Or, you know, I'm going to need a curriculum or a a video, a DVD or or a Mm -hmm. teacher. And so that's why parents send their children to school is to get some of the things they can't give to the child. So what we're saying here, which I think is very like, honestly, never thought I'd see the day. I mean, this is like, blows my mind okay never thought i'd see the day where schools in an entire state would actually say well you can be done with our schools you can get done here um and not have to have basic proficiency in you know reading writing and arithmetic so it's it's english because if you think about it all across all cultures all you know races all everybody like especially math, that's a very universal language, and it unifies actually our mm-hmm. our education that we have together. together, makes it so that we all have some similar skill sets that we can relate to each other on. When we're in the business place, we can talk with each other. If a person doesn't have those basic things, they get into the workforce. I mean, number one, they're going to have a hard time getting into the workforce because their their resume is going to look like junk unless someone's just going to just going to enable them all the way along and do everything for them. But once they get there, they now can't even get along with their employer on a basic level. Of or they can't understand a business letter that comes out from the employer saying this is what needs to happen. Like if you can't read, that's not you got to have some basics. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. like, OK, is is this a smart thing for them to do? Because my gut reaction says no. This is awful. No, I, I actually think it's a, it's very, it's abandonment. Okay. It's a, a very, I mean, it's a progressive idea, super progressive, uh, but it is, it's abandonment because you are then saying, okay, these are the times where adults teach children and prepare them for adult life. Well, we're going to say you don't have to actually learn. So that means we don't have to actually yeah, teach or what we do means- teach doesn't actually help, help you achieve adulthood so to me this is abandonment yeah and so it actually doesn't create educational independence and it doesn't create educational Mm -hmm. maturity it creates entitlement educational entitlement 
Yeah. I mean, everybody is scratching their heads about this. This is, this is crazy. So, so they're doing it for three years. Maybe they're going to review it after three years. Lots of times that's what happens with bills. But that's that's I've three seen a lot school of years of children in. who have never, who don't have those requirements. Like that's a lot of children. Well, and here's the other thing I was thinking to myself, well, are the deans or the presidents of certain universities going to be uh, understand this and be like, wait a minute, if somebody's coming from Oregon and their transcripts say certain things, that, that means nothing. Like all of a sudden the, the young people coming out of the Oregon schools, at least during that three-year period, but really the three-year period is just a test. Then mm-hmm. they review it. That's usually what happens with really uh, radical ideas like this is they'll say, well, let's just do a little test and see what happens. And the thing is, is three years is not adequate for a test like this, um, in my opinion, because you have people who've already been matriculated that they've had to take those, those tests every year where they have to be able to read, write, and do arithmetic. Yeah, and within three years- from- the bottom to the you'd top. have to say 12 year 12 year mm-hmm. experience it'd have to be somebody time. from ki- kindergarten that you never required them to ever have, have to learn anything and then and then you brought them all the way through and nothing happened and then you could see um so three years is not going to prove anything because they'll say see look everybody's fine and we don't have to have these we're, we're still you know we still have proficiency on our tests you know that's what they're going to do so probably mm-hmm. i mean i've been into i've been in enough committee meetings and heard how they deal and deal <laughs> on these bills to know what happens and i'm like eh. i mean i didn't listen to the any of the the recordings on this bill or anything we've just read some news articles on it that's it very surface level but it does make us scratch our heads and make us think so so this is something you know um to keep in mind here as as we are making decisions on on educational stuff for our children and as we are thinking of you know, what do we have to give to our children? Could it be that this trend keeps going? Okay. Could it be that this trend keeps going? So then as parents, we need to say to ourselves, wait, who is the number one person responsible for my child's education? Is it the government or the school? The answer is no, it is me as the parent. Now, as a parent, I can decide to put them in a certain school to get a certain tutor or mentor or whatever. And I can decide to do it myself. Okay. Either way, it is the parent that's in charge. So we need to remember that. And the parents, I mean, obviously not enough parents stepped it up in Oregon to say no way, Jose. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Again, I didn't listen. Well, to I think recordings. this actually hits on our f- very first tip, you know, first of eight is that all parents are teachers or even all parents are homeschoolers, whether your kids yeah. go to public school or not. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is so important. But I actually think more and more families are recognizing that because I know you were telling me about a family that you met at your last conference in Ohio that you just got back from. Yeah. Well, okay. So honestly, so I speak at a ton of these uh, great homeschool convention, homeschool conferences. Uh, Oh, I love the great homeschool convention. I'm just going (laughs) to say, um, so I've spoken at homeschool conferences all over the the nation, even the world. Uh, there was a world Congress that had an emphasis on homeschooling and I even wasn't speaking there. So, um, I mean, I, I have spoken about homeschooling in, in Africa, in Eastern Europe and, you know, anyway, so, um, so I know the topics, right? Well, anyway, but I love the great homeschool convention. I can tell you there, there just isn't a better convention that's put on than those great homeschool conventions. And the people there that put those on, they really are about each family finding um, what is best for them, but, but bringing a ton of truth to the table too, which I just absolutely love. So anyway, if you ever get a chance, but yeah, I was just recently in Ohio, the very last day when I was in Ohio, this cute little family came up to me. Oh my word. <laughs> cutest little family they came up to me and just kind of we talked for a second and they're like oh this self-government thing you know that, that kind of resonates with us you know what does it mean so we start talking and and I said so do you homeschool already and they said no and I thought well no no surprise there because huge amounts of people are new to homeschooling and coming to these homeschool conferences or looking Especially over the it. last couple of years yeah yeah, looking into it for, for various reasons, uh, you know, moral reasons, political reasons, social reasons, health reasons, you know, uh, mental concerns for their children, all kinds of things, you know, people are, are wanting to look into this idea. Anyway, so this family was like, we're just looking at it. We're not really sure. And I said to them, I said, do you want a few tips? And they were like, yes. And some of the tips I'm going to share with you today are some of the tips that I shared with them. Um, but, but let me just tell you one. And, I, and this is the first tip I almost always share with people. And if they can understand. And Paige already mentioned it. And that is that all parents are homeschoolers. I said, every single parent is a homeschooler. It's just the ones that recognize it that are lucky. 
mm-hmm. because, because the other ones might mess it up. Yeah. So every parent is going to teach their children what life means, what the meaning of life is, what the important things in life are. Every single parent is going to teach their child that whether they know they're teaching it or not, and that's by the way that they planes. spend their times like in emotionally, everything. physically, mentally, spiritually, all those, especially those ones. Right. Right. Is it important to pray? Well, if it is the parent will do it. Mm-hmm. Is it important to go to church? Well, if it is, the parent will do it, right? It, I mean, for us, we were like, even if we're on vacation, we're going to church. Like, that's it, and right? we loved it. Yeah, I mean, even if, so, because it's important. It's important mm-hmm. to the parents. It's important to us. We wanted to get, you know, hit that topic home so that there was no question in your minds. But plus, we just always, we just, it wasn't even just about teaching you. It was like, we wanted to have that level of dedication for ourselves. Right. So, um, but if, if we come home every day and just scan through our phone, and we spend our time there. We don't talk to our family or, or we do, but it's like, we're just really worried about, Hey, this YouTube video and this, whatever it is. And that's what we do. That's what's what are we registered teaching? as most yeah, important. That's, oh, that's what adults do. Oh, that's what, so, so then what I need a phone. I need a phone then because how can I, how can I grow up and be a proper adult if I can't just sit and waste my time, you know? So then <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, there's things like that. Or if the TV, if the TV's always on, or if it's always the sports thing or always the whatever, then you're teaching your child, you're creating a culture of what is most important. That is called schooling. Okay. So that family culture, that home culture, that parent child training, that culture that occurs is education. Yep. And, and we can't forget that because that is the number one education of any of the education that happens for our children. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's so on let's... all playing fields, which kind of, t- uh, yeah, goes to our second tip, which is parents and families are the best social training ground because that yeah. really is important. In fact, that's a main concern for a lot of people. Um, I know when you first started homeschooling us, uh, grandpa, you know, your, your dad, who is a public school teacher and college professor, he said, what about the social? Oh yeah. Because that's the big talk. And here's the thing. Here's the thing though, is that social is massively important. Mm -hmm. It's actually massively important. So there's different types of intelligence. Um, there's intellectual intelligence, which uh, truthfully, not every school is excelling at delivering as we've just talked about in Oregon, (laughs) um, the intellectual intelligence factor. Uh, but then there's practical intelligence too. Mm -hmm. Practical intelligence, um, is really the, the how to get along with other people, how to solve problems with other people, how to innovate stuff, how to step out of your comfort zone and and do things, right? And it's Mm -hmm. social skills. A lot of it goes back to social skills. And guess what? They are not doing that really great at a lot of schools as well. In fact, if anything, they're just overprotecting and not expecting the children or encouraging the children to really reach and to stretch. And that's because they- Difficult situations. And this is because, yeah, exactly. But this is because they think that their biggest concern is emotional, um, emotional intelligence and the mental problems or whatever the children are expressing emotionally. Okay. But, but instead of teaching them true emotional intelligence, what they're doing is they're emotionally enabling them, which is a totally Mm -hmm. different thing. So emotional intelligence is understanding emotions, understanding your own emotions, how they work and how to steer them in the right direction so that you don't get stuck. That is a real emotional intelligence, but they are not teaching that right now. Um, in most places right now, what they are teaching is not grit and how to get past an emotional block or a hard time. It's how to they're teaching, it. that, yeah, how to avoid it, how to blame others for it, how to protect yourself, how to feel safe, 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 safe. So this is but you this can't is ever grow always, unless you go through those hard things and figure out how to fix it. Right. So remember that because at school, they're not going to be pushing the children maybe as much. So at home, you need to be pushing, right? You need to be pushing. So these are education tips. Put them together. Yeah. Well, and and when I say pushing, I don't mean stress. Okay. I don't mean stress. I don't mean shame. I don't mean knocking somebody down, but, but in, but uh, empowering, right. Someone in a forward direction where you say, you can do this. Let's do this. Let's work on this together. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Here's the skill that you need that you don't have before. In fact, let's watch this other person do it. Look, they can do it too. So surely we can Mm -hmm. copy that and that and that we can step in that new direction. That's how people really learn. And say, and that's how, like, that's what friends really are for is to practice those social skills. I know for me growing up, we were really blessed to have a large homeschool community where I made lots of really good friends. 
And I, there, I, I remember there were times where, you know, maybe I said something or did something. I'm like, Ooh, I'm not proud of that, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it helped me learn how to communicate with people and how to fix, um, situations like that, you know, and how mm-hmm. to, I guess you could say redeem myself when I made a mistake, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I would watch my, my friends that I made, they would make mistakes too. And we would, you know, just work through it together. But well, you know, that wasn't our proudest moment, but guess what? We made, we made each other even better friends because we worked through it. Well, the fact that you could actually admit that you made a mistake to your friends and that you needed to improve is actually a sign of practical intelligence and maturity that you would even be going in that direction. So usually when people hear about social training, they think they've got to be with friends like a lot. Well, some of my friends were also my siblings. Yeah. So here's the thing is that actually the best person to train a person socially is someone who's been there before and same age friends have not really been there before. And so it's, it's really good for the parents and the family to decide upon the social lessons that need to be learned and to train the children. And then when the child has friends that they do things with from time to time, not all the time, not every day for hours and hours and hours, um, then they get the opportunity to practice. And if all the parents are working on that together, the social with the friends even becomes an extension of the social from the parents. The problem that we have nowadays is so many parents are turning their children loose uh, socially, which is really an abandonment. It's social abandonment. And so then what's happening is- And there's no time spent at home learning. The social wildness then takes over the social grooming and the social that we have among children is not an extension of the social among, among the parents. In fact, what's happening is it's going the reverse direction. So the social among the children is now being pushed upon the parents and the parents feel like that they're, they're behind the times if they don't keep up with that immature social bullying, anger, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which actually, I I feel like that really uh, touches on our third tip, which is, you know, having quality and quantity. Cause a lot of people like, well, if you have, you know, quality time, you don't have to have quantity time, you know, or vice versa. This is an old idea. Just hold on. I got to tell you before you get there, hold on to your, (laughs) hold on to the thought. Okay. Um, so, so this idea came out during the, the, uh, the first feminist like women's lib movement kind of thing. It was a thing that was brought up by, by one of the leading feminists at the time. It was like an, an article that was written um, to help women feel good about pursuing. not having, about pursuing things that weren't family. Okay. So yeah. it was kind of like a feel good thing. Like, listen, you can have seven minutes a day with your child um, and everybody else can be with them the rest of the time. As long as you're in your seven minutes, it's really good. Full of hugs and cuddles and lots of kind words or whatever, then, then you're fine. Right. High quality. And this, and actually, when I was I was meeting with one of the leaders in um, the Republic of Georgia years ago, and he was and he ran school, and he actually said, you know, uh, children only need to be with their parents seven minutes a day. And I, I about fell over because I'm a homeschooler, <laughs> and I was like, ah, actually, no, like that is not true. He didn't understand the concept of quality and quantity. Like maybe to barely survive, but not to be truly nurtured. Well. Well, here's the thing is that he doesn't understand the actual principle of quantity. It's mm-hmm. a principle and there is power in it. And so quantity is enormous. So whoever gets the quantity of time with your child gets to script their brain. Okay. If it's the media, if it's the friends, if it's, it's the also school, what's subconsciously deemed as most important because it's, you hear it the most. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's power. There is power there with quantity. You just have to get the same message enough times and you just can't fight against it uh, because you're like, well, everyone's doing it. And I've heard the message so many times now mm-hmm. I pushed against it a little bit, but uh, I guess I better <laughs> do it. I guess I better, you know, take that step with my life, even though I wasn't sure I wanted to, but I, I guess I will, or mm-hmm. I guess I better believe this political idea, social idea, whatever it is, because this is the whole point of the news. If you can take over the news and you can take over the, the, conver- the, the conversation and if it's had enough times for somebody and they'll watch it enough times, then you actually can control their brains. So quantity is huge. Seven minutes doesn't cut it when a person has 24 hours in a day. 
So quantity is actually more influential for most people than the small amount of quality time. I mean, you still um, want to make sure you have, you know, that quote unquote quality time within that quantity time mm-hmm. because there you can lack in that way too. But you want to make sure that you are with your children or you are with your family, you know, for a large majority of the time, because I mean, from what, you know, everything we've been saying, family is the most important and it's where most of the learning and education happens. And so mm-hmm. you want to be able to self-govern your time to make sure that that is happening. And in fact, I see a lot of parents uh, just, just yesterday, I saw a family and both the, the mother and the father were on their phones and the children were just kind of doing their own thing. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, the children are seeing that that is what is most important to their parents. And that's what they're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And sure, it's they're, they're it sitting there right with them. Like that quantity of time is there, but the quality is not. Yeah. Now you only saw them for a few minutes, right? But, right. and hopefully they had other glorious moments through of the course. day that weren't like that, hopefully, but it does make you think, it makes you think, Ooh, it can't look like that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not good. It can't look like that. That's the wrong That's the wrong look. So I love that you say that we still need to have the quality moments. Okay. Because those quality moments that really hit the heart, they can be life-changing. Yeah. Um, So you can, you can talk to a child about a relationship or about your relationship and it can lay a framework or a foundation that could last forever. But um, you don't get very many of those quality moments if you're not with them very often. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to try to fabricate them. The best quality moments come in just the day-to-day parts of life. So so let's do remember quantity of time. If you're at home and they're at home, but you're on your computer and they're playing toys with a friend outside, that is not quantity, really. Okay. I mean, you're there as a stabilizing force. But you're not there. But it's not really you and them quantity. Yeah. <laughs> so, so keep that in mind and try to have quite a bit more time and then bring in more of those quality moments when you look at each mm-hmm. other's eyes. When I think a, a byproduct of that time actually hits on number four, our fourth tip, which is children can actually learn everything that is taught kindergarten through 12th grade in four years. If they if. love learning, that's the big if. if. Yeah. And if that- they love learning. So I say, and that love of learning is taught by you being present and you being there and you loving learning. And, Cause I know that's how mm-hmm. it happened for me growing up because you were there, you were present. You're like, guys, what happens in volcanoes? Like, I don't even know. Let's, let's learn about volcanoes today, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you taught us to love learning. And I, I remember like, especially my reading level, I was pretty proficient in my reading by the time I was four or five years old. You know, I was reading out of the Bible, you know, maybe I didn't understand everything I was reading, but you did actually, you were really good. You were oh. like age five <laughs> mom in Leviticus. It just said blah, 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 blah. And you're telling me, and I'm looking at my five-year-old child going, I'm pretty sure I just barely understood Leviticus <laughs> as an adult. I'm like, Are you but Yeah. Me? But like, it's because you inspired us to love what we were learning and that, you know, we learned lots of things um, in fact, when I got to college, you know, and started being in classes where I had to peer review papers and stuff like that, I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, I actually struggled in my first couple semesters because I was just, you know, diving so deep into everything that I was learning that I was like falling behind on the like, Wait a minute, you're in college now. You're not supposed to learn anymore. Let's just get through it. <laughs> I know. And we and had I'm to like, have a conversation what? about that, which was really sad. Where I'm like, oh, Paige, I'm so sorry. I taught you to love Learning and you've had a whole life of just absorbing oh, no. learning Ooh. and now you have to jump through just hoops and just do what they want kind of like minimum enough to get an a okay so that's what you need to do all right prepare you for that oh, yeah well, darn oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah anyway so this is true a person can learn k through 12 and 12 in four years if they love learning i told this to the little family that i talked to at the conference the other day in fact i told it to multiple people And they're like, oh my word, that's a good point. And like, honestly, it only takes 80 hours for an adult to go from illiterate to illiterate if they want to, if they want to learn to read 80 hours, boom, it's done. That's like two work weeks. Mm -hmm. That is two If you're dedicated. Yeah. So, I mean, if you stretch it out, it might take you a couple of months, but wow, that is, that is hardly anything. And look what a person can do if they really want it. So that means our goal is to help 
to promote love of learning with our children, which like Paige was talking about has a lot to do with if the parent loves learning or not. We need to be inspiring. We need to bring up ideas. We need to take them places. So no matter where your child goes to school, whether you are homeschooling your child or whether you are sending your child off to the school, to the public school or wherever, then you absolutely should be focused on Okay, but what experiences will bring that spark in the learning and in the education? Mm-hmm. What, what will inspire it? Okay, so, yeah, so um, thinking ahead, and that actually is going to be mm-hmm. very influential in tip number five, which is structuring your day to bring in all the good, the right and the true. Um, and so that's, that's what we did. Every morning we had what we called our canon. And that's where we sat as a family. And we, you know, read our, our religious texts together and we, you know, said our family prayers and we, uh, kind of planned our mission out statement. Mm-hmm. what we were as a family, we kind of reviewed our family vision mm-hmm. and, you know, that gave a good foundation for then what we were going to do the rest of the day. And then after can was over, we said, okay, what's on our list for today to get done, you know? And so we mm-hmm. scheduled out what we we're going to do for that day. And we easily, you know, we, we realized that, okay, this is what we love learning. So we're going to spend this amount of time on this, you know, for me, it was music. So it was like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour and a half practicing piano, which, you know, when I was younger was nothing that was like, what? I need more time, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's because I loved it. And so we easily, you know, learned a lot of things K through 12, you know, I would say in four ish years, roughly, um, you know, bits and pieces here and there, but, um, it was because we structured our day. Like, yes, we left room for spontaneous things to happen, you know, different field trips or, Hey, you know, this thing is happening today. I just found out, let's go, you know, but Mm -hmm. you know, our time was very structured and it was beautiful Mm -hmm. and it It brought in, it brought in all the things, you know, besides the reading, writing and arithmetic that are so important, all the mm-hmm. good things, you know, spiritual, the mental, um, you know, different physical things um, and things that helped us get us pointed in the right direction and, you know, morally pointed north um, and all those things. But we actually See, structured the, it in. Yeah. So that's the best thing is that you've got to. OK, so I believe there's a biblical principle called tithing. OK, where you're supposed to tithe, um, you know, give 10 percent to the Lord. Okay, so you tithe, you know, some of your earnings to the Lord and you give back to God as a gratitude thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So I believe in tithing my day. Okay, so I wake up and I go, what comes first? Well, what should be first? I'm going to do the number one most important for my culture first. We're going to hit the heart. We're going to go straight into good discussion first about truth and enlightenment and so we're going to go to our scriptures and to prayer and to discussing great things together and reading them as a family and that's what the canon was for us so it was our tithe i highly recommend no matter where your children go to school or what they do to learn math or how to read that you figure out a time to bring in your canon um, what is canon for your family or your daily is, devotional or whatever. yeah you could call it devotion mm-hmm or whatever, but, but decide what is it that is going to make my family strong in the long run. If we studied nothing else today, what is the most important? Maybe the most important is studying the law of sacrifice or studying, um, you know, humility versus pride or whatever. Maybe that is the most important thing. And you go to, you know, scripture and stuff like that. And you, and you read that kind of thing. And also there are other books that lend really well. I mean, you find those great philosophers who really understood um, core true beliefs and you can bring those into and discuss those. I oftentimes would, you know, be opening other people's works and, and reading certain, certain books to the family that, that would make a difference, you know, C.S. Lewis and such. So anyway, yeah, structure your day. That's important. Have a structure and make sure you know where your tithe is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where's your tithe? What's your most important thing? If you do nothing else, that most important thing is going to carry you through. And so you don't have to beat yourself up if all of a sudden you miss something, but if your children are going off to school, they need it as fortification. They need insulation, right? They need yeah. you to be doing constant study all, all the time with them and discussion with them and all the time with them so that then when they get there they're like wait a minute 
earlier today, already first, I have learned a principle today. I have learned a truth today. And now you're telling me this and it kind of might go against that principle or I need to at least see how it applies if it applies. And mm -hmm. so now you've, you're there. Now you're at school yeah. with them or you're on that class online with them or however you're doing your things. You're there because you are continuing to do the talking. Now I'm going to admit there were some times when my kids, I would say, okay, let's do Ken. And they're like, oh, can we do it fast? Can we just do this? Can we just do this? Cause they have a lot of things on their list that they want to get done. You know, it's not that they don't like Canon, but they just don't want to take the time. And, um, but I can say looking back now, because you did take the time, it benefited us very greatly because because actually then I could always be there with you when you were reading something else and studying something else. And so mm -hmm. even though sometimes Canon was quicker than others, just based on our schedule that day, I did not give in to that pushing for making it really fast because I knew that this was the time of the day that literally was the most important. Yeah. So anyway. well, And that's, that's really crucial because you know, that being able to do that comes is a byproduct of tip number six, which is having a vision and setting goals and having that open communication of what's going to happen. And so mm -hmm. you were very open with us about, um, okay, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing this. And so this is what's this is where we're going. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, because, you know, that Kenan, we, you told us, and it usually happened actually in a mentor session where you took us up, you know, aside one by one said, okay, this is what we're doing. This is kind of where we're headed. And this is what you've told me you want to learn this year. Um, so this is what I feel will help us focus on that. And mm -hmm. so that was giving us a vision. You're very open with your communica communication. And that way we could set a goal, which then helped with your structuring. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about goal setting. Okay. So one of the main vehicles. Okay. So, so here's the thing. You got to tell the children what's what education is and how it works. Okay. Mm -hmm. And just showing up at school is not how education works. Okay. No. Just doing homework is not how education works. Reading the book is not how education works. Education is this change where your, your, your heart and your will, your morals, they come together, they center on truths, and then you change your behavior in a certain direction. You become a different person because of this education, which means you have to tell yourself to do certain things, which means you have to follow your own instructions. And if you'll remember from some of our other podcasts, and, and if you've read any of my stuff, my books and, and my courses, you'll know that there are four basic skills we teach children. One of those key skills is being able to follow instructions. You cannot keep a goal. You cannot move yourself forward if you cannot follow instructions because you're going to give yourself an instruction when you set that goal. And so in order to accomplish it, you've got to be able to follow the instruction, which is a five-step process. So anyway, so that's going to be key, right? We've got to teach our children the skills they need for success, but then we've got to set aside the time also for them to see where they're heading and to make the plans, give themselves the new instructions. Mm -hmm. So every week we had meetings, we have three different meetings in our family, but the one that we had specifically for the children for their own personal goals was called a mentor session. Okay. And it was our favorite so, meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it was down. all about how were we personally progressing and growing and learning mm -hmm. and what were we overcoming and achieving? Mm -hmm. And your social development, your mm -hmm. spiritual development, your academic development. Oh, yeah. well, we talked goals. about friends. We talked about, yeah. you know, what to do when, you know, pornography came up or, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. We talked about all of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and all of those areas plus others, I mean, we're talking personal, social, spiritual, academic, plus tax, we're going to set goals in all of these areas. Okay. And, and that's what we always did all the way along. And so because you set the goals in there and you knew how to follow your own instructions and you knew where the end goal was for all of the education anyway, what type of a person you wanted to become, what level of freedom you wanted to have, because that's one of the key reasons we do education is freedom and being able to think for ourselves. So then you were excited about talking about these things and sharing your progress and sometimes saying, oh, I didn't progress very good. And then setting the goal again and seeing if we can find a way for it to happen this time and yeah. moving on. So, oh, those mentor sessions, listen, you can, you can find mentor session journals 
at teachingselfgovernment.com on the website. You can get one of those journals for each of your children and you can start having mentor sessions. Also in the Teaching Self-Government course and in the Parenting at House United book, I talk about the mentor sessions and how to run good mentor mm-hmm. sessions. So once you've done good mentor sessions, this, this leads us into number seven. So tip number seven is you've got to have daily bonding and follow-up, okay? And it's this follow-up time that is a bonding time. Yeah. So we need to be focusing on bonding all the time, but when it's a time for accountability, okay, when we say, um, all right, well, we just finished our canon. So now you've got independent study, or we just finished our canon. You're going to be going to school. What are you doing at school today? What are your, some of the things you're working on? Blah, 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 blah. What do you have to turn in or whatever? So then be a goal that we talked about in our mentor session. Exactly. And so then, then they come back and you say, so how did that go? Did you turn that in? How did that, that oral report go? Or, or what happened to school today? What do we need to be working on? What should we put into our, our mentor session for this next week, you know, or whatever you bring that home or with homeschooling, it would look like, okay, so we just finished our independent study time. What did we accomplish during that time? What goals did you work on from your mentor session during this time? You know, you said you were going to do this, 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 how did it go? And then if it worked, great. And if we made progress, great. If we didn't, we got a little stuck. We got a little distracted. Something happens. We address it. And then we learn from that so that we can prepare ourselves to better self-govern the next time. Mm -hmm. So follow-up is so good and it shouldn't feel like an inquisition. Okay. Yeah. It should feel like you really care. You're invested. You're in here. You are supportive. And if they don't want to answer the questions, you might have to give them a vision again. Yeah. Of who well, that's, you are. it's a really good time to analyze things as well, because when, you know, maybe your child comes home from school and says, oh, you know, this and this happened. So this wasn't able to happen. You know, maybe they didn't do something to reach their goal. And you're like, hmm, okay, well, let's talk about that. You know, why, why was that such a hiccup? You know, why? Mm-hmm. Did, so not only is that bonding, but you're also separating and making sure that your school culture doesn't take over your family culture, which is actually our last tip. Tip number eight. You have well, to hold make- on, hold on, oh, hold on. Oh, oh no. I got to say something. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm cutting you off again. It's like the second time. Nah, anyway, I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but, um, but, and I appreciate you wanting to get us to this, this last point, but I will say that, um, that as a foster parent, okay, when I had foster children, they were going to the school. I actually had daily reports mm. for some of the foster children. So maybe they had some behavioral problems. Maybe they had some academic problems. And so I sent a paper with them. They had to get it signed by each of their teachers every single day that, and, and, and listed, oh, hey, this, this, this needs to be coming. This, this, this needs to be coming because they weren't super good at wanting to take responsibility or discuss what was happening at school. We had to train them on how to do that. And it's okay for a parent to do that. Sure, it creates more work for the teacher, but the teacher is there for your child. Yep. The teacher isn't there for themselves. So, so it's okay. So sometimes you might have to do something like that. If, if you feel like your child isn't really communicating with you and, and there's not good follow-up that's happening on, on those things, then you might have to go to some of those measures. Okay. Page number eight. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> number eight. eight number tip. eight, which is our last tip is don't let school culture take over your family culture, especially with everything we've just mentioned. You're putting in a lot of work and a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and love into creating this family culture that is going to help your children get all the education on all the, uh, all the fields, all the, all the levels that they need. And so, um, you know, sometimes I know for us uh, during homeschool, you know, our school culture was our family culture. Like we just, we made it all one big thing. But sometimes, you know, especially when it comes to like public school, um, you know, the, the school culture is completely different from what's happening at home and with the family. Well, I, and, and as it should be, to be honest, um, I have right. noticed, I have noticed that people who, who try homeschooling and try to just do school at home, like school culture at home, and their children are actually still just doing school there's actually still a disconnect, a disconnect in the relationships, mm-hmm. a disconnect in the communication. And you don't get that wonderful feeling of unity that should exist in a family culture. Right. So, and it that's really what depends. we need to preserve more than anything yeah. else. Okay. So in our family, we said our family culture is number one top priority. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to have the school element be part of what unites us and be part mm-hmm. of that family culture, which means we're not going to be um, 
we're not going to be just thinking about ourselves and what we want academically, but we're going to say, how is this family going to be learning together and doing all of this together? And it was absolutely beautiful. So, you know, obviously there's little bits of time of imbalance, but it is really detrimental to allow a school, whether it's an online school or whether it is a in-person school, it is really detrimental to the development of your family unity and your children, their personal development, to allow that school to dictate how the family must spend its time. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be careful of that, that, that. And, and, and along those lines, too, the sport culture. When your children are young, the sport culture should not be dictating how you live your life, too, or that extracurricular activity culture. We may get excited about those things and we have to sacrifice a little bit, but, but if they your are literally are the most important. Yeah. If they are taking over our family culture, it is a problem. So, so no matter where your child goes to school, please remember, please remember that it's the family culture. If you're a homeschooler, don't let yourself get rid of family culture because you're doing school. The family culture is the greatest part of the school. Mm-hmm. So don't let that happen. And if your child goes to school, then make sure that your family culture is still number one for that child. So I have a great friend named Kristen and uh, she was in Ashworth. Okay. And the Ashworth family had this, had this great tradition, basically the mama, mama Ashworth. um, She decided, well, Mary love Mary. Anyway, she decided that her family culture was going to be number one. Okay. They lived in Las Vegas, a lot of distractions there anyway. So mama Mary had to be like deliberate about keeping the family like on track with a lot of stuff. Okay. So Mary says to her children, Hey, you know what? Um, You have all day to be with your friends at school, but when you get home, you will be with each other and with the family and we're going to do family stuff and it's going to be family time. And that's going to be what the home and family culture is going to be about. And so they just knew that they just knew that they were at their, they were at school all day with their friends. They could talk to their friends there, see their friends there. And they might, you know, schedule something on a weekend or whatever. But, but when they came home every single day, it was family time. It was time to be there for family. And I just think that was such good foresight and she probably, you know, wouldn't have thought to be so deliberate had she not already made a lot of religious, deliberate religious choices living in a place that, you know, like Vegas, it's not going to necessarily validate her religious choices for her family too. So she already was being a little peculiar, being, mm-hmm. being deliberate. So she decided to take it to the next level. And I got to say, I resonate with her. Not that we should be overly controlling. Our children need to know why we do everything everything but they also need to know the power of that family culture it's that family culture that supports them forever for the whole lives yeah well and we know you know mary ashworth's children you know Kristen and her sisters and wow they are the tightest of family that you can even imagine all the Mm -hmm. and all the cousins you know all of the the sisters children they are so close in fact and they love each other so much a lot of them bought houses like right next to each other (laughs) and they just like spend time with each other all the time (laughs) i know their family culture is beautiful. It is. It's gorgeous. And, and it goes back to Mary and her husband, you mm-hmm. know, um, bless their hearts. They, they really did create a strong family culture. I'm grateful to my parents for the family culture that they created, which was, was over and above what most people got during, um, during their growing up years when I was a child. I mean, they really worked hard to try to make sure that they did some of these things here on this list. Not all of them. Um, my dad was a school teacher and he probably thought a little bit more about what the school was supposed to be doing right for the child, but he did because he had an educational mindset. He did a lot of deliberate things. And my mother did too. Boy, did she train us on so many adult skills? So many. In fact, that's the one thing me and my siblings have way more adult skills than most people have um, because of the, the training mom did outside of those school hours. So they really just were educators at heart and um, still to this day are educating their grandchildren, teaching them so many great things. Um, So anyway, those are pro schooling tips. Okay. For everyone, no matter where your children go to school, you can use these eight tips. Do not forget 
that education really is about relationships and the effect of relationship. You have a relationship with that math book. You have a relationship with that, that story by Jane Austen. You have a relationship with that figure from history and you have a relationship with the people around you and the relationship with the people around you end up influencing how you relate to everything else. Yep. So if our family relationships are going really, really good, then guess what happens to all of our educational relationships? They improve and we stay focused on the things that we should morally don't get distracted and all those other kinds of things. So that's self-government. That's self-government in, in, in schooling. So hopefully you've enjoyed that. I think next time, Paige, we are going to talk about social problems. Social problems at school and, and maybe not at school, but just with peers, maybe church peers, whatever, not having as much friends and social and what we can do about that. So we want to beef up the social, I think, next time. Yeah. Let's beef up the social. Talk about school. So now let's do social. Might as well take it to the next level. We will <laughs> talk about social next time a little bit more in depth so that we can help our children succeed socially. And until next time, we are signing off. So if you want to find out anything else about self-government, be sure to go to teachingselfgovernment.com. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.